You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. They offer just about every battery under the sun, from car and truck batteries to batteries for your trail cameras and rangefinders. Select retail locations even offer cell phone repair and cracked screen repair. Find a local retail location at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast, where you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight, because here we go. Good morning, or afternoon, evening, night, whenever you're listening to this, I hope it's good. Welcome to the show, this is the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast, and I am your host, John Hutsmith. Uh, before I get going too far, I want to say Merry Christmas. I forgot to say that last week, leading into Christmas week. Uh, it's really hard to plan this stuff out that far in advance, and so I missed Merry Christmas last week, so Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Uh, it's not the New Year yet, I got that one on time. Happy college football playoffs. I got to throw that one out there. And happy anniversary. Another thing I forgot last week was that last week was episode 52. So for those of you who aren't too good at math, I do one of these a week. And episode 52 means that I have officially been doing this podcast for an entire year. So that's for all of us. Thank you for joining the show. Thank you guys for listening. Happy one-year anniversary, and uh, and that's about all I have to say as far as the random weird announcements. So I know you guys are here not to listen to me. I'm sure a lot of you are here because of the title of this episode. We are going to talk about Oklahoma elk. Um, you know, if you're not from Oklahoma, you probably have no idea that there are even elk in the state. Uh, there's probably even some people in the state of Oklahoma that don't know we have elk in the state. And I'm sure none of those people know that you can hunt elk in this state. And so there are some uh, some opportunities to hunt elk here, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Today we are talking to Mark Metters, and he was fortunate enough to draw a very coveted bull elk tag in this state. And we have him on today. He does a great job of just kind of telling the whole story. He talks about drawing the tag uh, you know, the process between the draw and the hunt and all the work that goes in there between showing up for the hunt, the orientation, picking his spot, just covers all, everything about it, how it all works. And then, of course, we get into the story and he tells the story of his hunt. Once again, does a great job of that. And so this is a fantastic, very informative episode, one that I've been looking forward to. Like I've been wanting to cover an Oklahoma elk hunt and finally got my chance. It's a tag that I've been putting in for over the last several years. Um, 
And I think it's just, man, it's like it's, ah, I'm, I'm at a loss for words because it's just such a cool, awesome experience that I think so many people in this state dream about. Uh, you know, so many people nationwide dream about an elk hunt. Uh, but there's something about doing it in a state that you're from, and especially one that it's not like a popular elk hunting state. Like, you know, if you were from Colorado, you're probably kind of expected, if you're a hunter in Colorado, to elk hunt, you know. But not everybody in Oklahoma gets to be an elk hunter. And so I think that's just part of what makes it so cool. So I told you guys I wasn't going to drag this on, so I don't want to do that anymore. So without further ado, here is my interview with Mark Metters and his Oklahoma elk season. Hey everybody, welcome to the show today, and today I'm talking to Mark Meador, is that correct? Is that how you say your last name? Metters, Mark Metters. Metters, okay, good. I should have asked that before we started recording, so. <laughs> That's alright. <laughs> well, Mark, how you doing today? I'm doing good, I'm doing good, how about yourself? I'm doing pretty good, it's, uh, what was it? Two or three days before Christmas as we're recording this, getting ready for the holidays, got some family coming in. And uh but yeah, right now I'm gonna I'm ready to sit here and talk about some elk. And so yeah. um real quick before we jump into all that stuff though, why don't you give everybody a quick little shout out, who you are, what you do, and uh, and all that good stuff. Uh so my name is Mark Metters. Uh I'm a real estate land agent. Um love hunting from Oklahoma City originally and uh yeah, just looking forward to diving into this thing and um, kind of letting everyone know what this hunt's about, especially for the ones that have been putting in for it um, for years on end and haven't been drawn yet. Just kind of want to give everyone, uh, you know, something or want them to know uh, what to expect on a hunt like this. Mm-hmm. I am one of those people, and so I'm selfishly pretty excited for yeah. this myself. So awesome man well uh yeah we're just gonna jump right into it here and so first question i'm sure everybody's wondering is how many years did you put in for this tag before you drew it oh man i'm gonna have a ton of people mad at me when i say this but it was actually the first year i put it in. no way <laughs> yes sir it was. that is awful hey I- you know, I'm equally upset, but I'm also a little relieved because that gives me hope, you know? Like, I, I may not have to wait yep. 20 years for the tag, so. Yeah, you might. You might or you might not. That's, 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 exactly. that's the thing. But mm-hmm. um, I think I told that to a few people on that were in my group. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my first year. And I, one guy told me he'd been putting in for 29 years, mm-hmm. and it took him to get drawn. He drew a cow tag this year. So, wow. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Extremely fortunate, for, yeah. for sure. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, cool. So that's a good starting point. So my first real question is, um, so when you found out you drew, I basically just wanted to know like all the information you kind of had from the beginning. So like as part of the, the hunt that you put in for, you had your dates, right? But I mean, did they tell you like where you're going to be hunting, like a specific unit or area? Like how much did you know when you first drew the tag? So uh, I've actually had a buddy that, that went on the hunt um, back in 2018. So he kind of gave me uh, a rundown of what to expect. But uh, I, checked my, I, just, I checked my draws just like anyone else uh, on the computer that day. I think it was in, uh, I think, May or, or a little maybe July, June or July. But um checked my tag. I, I saw that I'd gotten drawn, so I immediately called him. I was like, you know, what, what do I expect? And. I mean, it don't really tell you much other than you got your tag. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you can go ahead and purchase your your license and everything like that. And I think it's five bucks to put in for the tags in Oklahoma, which is awesome. And it was fifty five or fifty bucks to buy um, to buy my license for that hunt. Mm-hmm. And then um, I guess it would have been right before in November. Yeah, it was in November. I got a letter in the mail, and it just told me, you know, kind of gave me the details of the hunt, congratulated me for being drawn, and. Um, they told me, you know, where to meet, what time to meet on, on you know, the day before my hunt. Um, so when you get drawn, you just see that you've been drawn and then you kind of, I mean, I immediately jumped on Google and started researching from, from day one, from the minute I got drawn. So I, I was kind of prepared and knew what to expect. But um, yeah, so you get a letter in the mail, it tells you where to meet, you meet there that morning, you check in. Um, and when you check in, they give you your unit. Um, when you give them your, your hunting license and, and ID, they hand you a map and it has your unit. Uh, I believe it's A through I. Yeah. A through I and I, I drew unit G and they had that on my map that of the other refuge that they give you when you check in the day before your hunt. Gotcha. Awesome. And I want to take one step back. I got a little too excited. Uh, tell everybody. So what area did you draw and what were the dates for the hunt? Um, I'll have to go back. I believe my hunt was I drew, I drew unit G, uh, which is one of the better ones for the, for the bull. Mm-hmm. Um, it's up in the Northwest corner and, um, you know, all the private landowners, a lot of bulls have, and a lot of elk have leaked off the refuge and that's where they usually leak off at is on that Northwest corner. So I knew I was in a good area, um, from the jump, but my check-in date was December 6th and my hunt was the 7th through the 9th. So you get two, two full days. So that Tuesday and Wednesday, I got two full days to hunt. And the Thursday, you have to be out back on the road waiting on your group leader uh, by noon that day. So you get two and a half days to hunt. Gotcha. So pretty quick. Yes. Yes. Gotcha. And then as far as like staying down there, like are you allowed to camp? Do you have to check in and out every day? How does that work? So you can rent a cabin there, which is right around the headquarters, I believe. Um, a lot of people stayed in the hotel, um, over in, I think it's medicine park. Mm-hmm. I've actually got a buddy that's from Hobart, which is about an hour North, Northwest there. Um, uh, that his, that's where his family's from. So I ended up staying at their house with him, um, that evening. So I didn't have to get a hotel or anything, but, um, but yeah, no. So that's where I ended up staying. Gotcha. And did but you have you, to like camp out? I mean, they've got camp. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, that's kind of what I was asking. Like, do you have to, like, check in and out every day, or once it's open, is it kind of do whatever you want? Um, so you check in the first day, and they assign you your unit. And so once you get your unit, they have an orientation. It's about 45 minutes long of orientation. They tell you it's pretty cool, honestly, because you get to hear the history of it. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I've listened to just about all of it. I mean, I, I wrote down, took notes and stuff like that. I was so excited, but, um, she'll, you know, you have your, your game warner, your park ranger there that, um, will go over the rules, regulations. They'll tell you how many shells, everything from how many shells you can bring in that day to what time you need to be out by dark. Um, and then they tell you who your group leader is. So your group leader is either a park park ranger that works there or, or wildlife game warden, um, in the, in and around the area. So, after orientation breaks, you go over to your group and they've got these trucks, F-250s lined up with um, basically benches built in the back of them. Mm-hmm. And so you'll meet your your park, your your, uh, your group leader 
and um, he'll kind of give you the rundown of, of the area. And, and I, I tried to ask him as much information as I could just mm-hmm. to get a good idea of where, where I pr- probably should start, you know, that day mm-hmm. or the, the following day. Um, but you load up in the back of the truck and you take off. I mean, you take off and you get to unit and he stops and tells you, Hey, this is where unit G starts. Um, and I'm going to drive you around whenever you, you know, see a spot that you want to be dropped off at, um, just go ahead and tap the hood and he'll, he'll, I'll stop the truck and I'll put your number on a flag and I'll drop it there. And that's where you'll start, you know, first thing in the morning. Gotcha. Very cool. Very cool. Awesome. So they kind of show you around a little bit, give you the lay of the land and then, uh, but you don't actually get to start hunting until the next day. And so I guess, I don't know, man, so many questions are coming. (laughs) This is awesome. But, uh, so, (laughs) so like that time you have to be out by, you know, is that like, do you have to be out by dark or do they kind of give you a leeway to where you can hunt till dark and then you get some time to get to that, uh, exit or how does that work? So you get some, you get a little bit of time. Um, you obviously get to hunt till end of legal shooting light. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you meet back at the road. You, ideally, you want to be where your flag was. Mm. Um, you want to finish because that's where he's going to be making his rounds around the, mm. the dirt roads that surround your unit. He's going to be you know, making those laps, looking for people waiting by the flag. Um, and you also get a bit of cell phone coverage out there if you're on top of one of the, one of the bluffs or mountains. Mm. Um, you get some pretty decent coverage. So you can shoot your park leader a text or your, your group leader a text and uh, say, hey, you know, just get done with the hunt, be back in my flag in 30 minutes. And he, he's usually pretty quick to respond saying, okay, making a lap now, uh, be there shortly. Gotcha. So like, you don't even get to take your vehicle out to the starting point. No, okay. no, you don't. I'm with you, you. You ride in with them and you ride out. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. Gotcha. Awesome. All right. So you got your map and everything. Uh, I assume when you went back to the hotel that night, you probably got on Google earth or Onyx or something like that. Um, I guess, how did you decide like where you were going to start or you kind of had to decide that the day before, I guess, of where you're getting dropped off. Well, yeah. So there was that. And then, uh, as I mentioned earlier, my buddy drew, um, he got that tag back in 2018 and we actually, um, got drawn in the same unit. So, um, I had a pretty good idea, had a little intel there where the bulls like to hang out and, um, stuff like that. So, um, when I got drawn, I don't know why. Maybe I just had this sneaky intuition in the back of my head that I was going to get unit G just like him. So I'd, I'd already been studying on X, you know, weeks leading up to that. I had a buddy that went two weeks before that on a cow hunt. Hmm. Uh, and he was in unit C. So he dropped me some pins of where he saw bulls, how they were traveling and stuff like that. So I definitely did my homework leading up to it. And when I actually got drawn in unit G, um, you know, I, I pretty much had it in my head exactly where I was going to start from the jump. Gotcha. And just, I don't think you said this, how big is unit G? Like how big was your hunt area? Each, each unit's about, uh, 4,500 to 6,000 acres, I think is, I believe is what they said. Gotcha. So it's, it's pretty good. Yeah. Especially pretty good being on foot, you know, you're got to cover a lot of ground to cover all that. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah. And there's, there's, uh, there's nine guys in your group. So you've got six cow hunters and three bull hunters. Gotcha. Um, in every unit. Okay. Gotcha. Now, before you drew this tag, like, had you, did you have any elk experience? Have you elk hunted before? Or was this your first time? This was actually the first elk hunt I've ever been on. Gotcha. <laughs> Man. And you're out there solo, right? And yep. 
Yep, you're by yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, once you kill, you can have your buddies come in mm-hmm. uh, and help you pack the elk out. But yeah, most of the, the whole hunt, you're, you're by yourself. Gotcha, gotcha. So, I mean, obviously, this is kind of a late season hunt. You know, assume they're not rutting and anything or anything, but. Um, for being your first elk hunt, like what was your strategy going into this? Were you just going to be doing glassing? Did you get some calls? Uh, like what was your actual hunt strategy? So my actual hunt strategy was just, you know, first morning, get to a good vantage point. Um, I, I almost treated it like a, like a white toe hunt a little bit. I mean, I started with, I looked at the, the weather on my start date. Um, I had a North wind that first morning. So I started almost outside of that unit and just kept the wind in my face. Um, hiked up to the high point overlooking kind of two valleys. Um, and that's, that's kind of where I was, what I was expecting to do. I just worked with the wind in my face, got to a good vantage point, let that sun come up and, um, did glassing from there. And I knew they'd be in their feeding patterns. Um, you know, I think the rut for elk in Oklahoma, I want to say it's at the end of September. It's not really at the beginning. I could be completely wrong, Mm -hmm. but I think, I believe someone had told me it's, it's right, you know, end of September into early October. Gotcha. So, yep. Awesome. And, you know, they space these hunts out. It's pretty limited numbers and stuff, but was like using the other hunters in that unit, like, was that, did that play a part in your strategy? Like, were you trying to get away from them or were you kind of hoping they might get the elk up and moving? Uh, did you think about that stuff at all? Uh, I did. Uh, I definitely, uh, you know, wanted to be up in an area where I was, predominantly by myself most of the cow hunters they tell you you know hey if you if you have a bull tag you're going to want to be by yourself obviously but mm-hmm. you cow hunters you guys want to team up and, and hike around in twos and threes he's like because you know usually the the cows are in big groups so mm-hmm. you can usually get a shot and each one of you fill your tag so i i definitely wanted to be away from everyone um when i put my flag out that that day on the scouting trip um the other the other two bull hunters uh decided to go to a different side of the unit. So they didn't, they didn't want to be right on top of me. So I think we all had the right idea, which was nice. I was yeah. kind of, kind of nervous about that. You know, you don't know, you don't want someone piggybacking off you on mm-hmm. a hunt like that. But, um, but yeah, no, it was, everyone was kind of spread out. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, uh, you know, you're in Southwestern Oklahoma, but for those who may not be familiar, what, what was the terrain like, you know, is it pretty rugged and rough or, uh, could you see a pretty good ways? Uh, what's the vegetation like? Just kind of describe the area. So, yeah, it's pretty rugged and rough, uh, and rough. I mean, you've got boulders that are the size of trucks out there, um, and they're everywhere. Um, the grassy, uh, flats or the bottoms and stuff and the valleys in between the, the mountains or Oklahoma sized mountains, however you want to <laughs> put it, um, it's not as flat as you think you're walking across there and there's these little, just little rocks, um, underneath the grass. I, I think I rolled my ankle twice, um, first morning, just trying to hike across these and get across them pretty quick. So it's pretty rough. The vegetation, um, uh, in the valleys, it's mostly, you know, grassland. Um, and, and then on the side of the hills and, and mountains, it's almost like shrub brush. Um, it's not very tall. It's, I would say it's six to eight feet tall and it, it's pretty thick in some areas. So I definitely, when I hiked up to my vantage point, um, I definitely tried to get as high up so I could see over that. Um, just because, you know, those, those elk can disappear in that shrub brush because it runs over the whole side of the mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, they get that, you know, you may have a six foot window to shoot one in. So, 
uh, and that and that may be your only opportunity. So I definitely tried to hike over that where I could at least see down in it. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's pretty thick. It's pretty rough and rugged. It's 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 definitely I, I didn't expect it to be that rough. Yeah, yeah. So definitely not a lazy man's hunt. I take it. Absolutely not. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Um, and then what about gear? So like you said, this was your first ever elk hunt. Um, you know, most, a lot of people, that's probably the case. You know, a lot of people in Oklahoma don't have uh, a chance to go elk hunting or something. So did you feel like you had to get in a lot of extra gear? Did you just kind of take what you had? Um, did you have to get like a, a pack to pack the elk out? Um, talk about the gear that you took with you. So the gear I took with me, I actually borrowed from some things. I do some uh, DIY hunting in, in Colorado. So I, I had a good backpack with me. Um, I actually used my whitetail bag for my day pack, and they kept the, the pack out pack in my truck. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my whitetail pack, I had, um, they tell you, you know, don't, you know, make sure you take a bunch of water. Mm-hmm. Um, they said that's the number one thing. Take take plenty of water. You'll, you'll burn through it quicker than you think. So I had about a gallon and a half of water in there um, in my pack. I had trail mix, um, energy drink mix, hydration mix, um, to go in my water. Just, you know, get out there, you know, if you want a quick hydration or a quick little energy boost, those little mixes are good to throw in a water bottle or, and, or, and, you know, suck down pretty quick and they'll get you going. Um, I packed a breakfast burrito, which my buddy's mom made, um, for me specifically, um, to, you know, basically eat up on top of the mountain and watch the sun come up is what I did. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was magical, uh, <laughs> to be honest. It was one of the best burritos I've ever had. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah. And then I packed, uh, just some, some deli meat in a, in a Ziploc bag. And then I, uh, three peanut butter and honey sandwiches mm-hmm. is what I took in my pack. And then some, some little sour candy strips just to, you know, reward myself at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah. So you're ready to be there all day. I take it. <laughs> yes, that's that's what they recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, you can hike out and then call your group leader and come back whenever. Um, but I definitely wanted to maximize my opportunity, so I, I planned on being out there all day. Yeah, yeah. Now, what about glass? Did you just take like your regular old, you know, white tail binoculars? Did you feel like you needed a spotting scope? Um, and then also, like, let's if you didn't, you know, say take a spotting scope, would you recommend somebody did? Um, you know, I just took my, my white tail, my white tail glass. I've got Vortex 12 by 12 by 42, I believe, um, or 12 by 50, 12 by 50 is what I have. And, uh, those work just fine. Uh, I do a lot of waterfowl, uh, hunting in the, in the winter. So when I'm scouting birds and stuff like that from a distance, you know, those things work great. I, I wouldn't recommend a spotty scope. You're just going to add more weight to your pack. Mm-hmm. You're when the way they do it, I mean, they drop you off and you're, you're right in there amongst the elk. So, I mean, you, that sun comes up that first morning and you're going to see elk, um, pretty easily. They, they stick out, um, on the side of those hill, on those hillsides and stuff like that. They, they definitely stick out. So if you see some elk, I, I think the normal white tail glass would be just fine. Gotcha. Gotcha. So my last question, and it's going to kind of lead into the story is, uh, I want you to talk about like, what were your standards going into this hunt? So, uh, first off, what was legal to shoot? And then what did you kind of have in mind of what you wanted or hoped to shoot? So, uh, any bull is legal. If you, if you wanted to hike in there and, and shoot a spike on the first day, you're, you're more than welcome to it. They definitely want you to be successful. 
on this hunt. Um, they do everything in their power to make sure you're successful. My expectations going in, um, I definitely wanted to five by five. That was what I'd set in my mind. Uh, if it came down to it on the last day and I didn't have a five by five, I was shooting the first antlered elk I saw. I mean, I was more, more or less, um, in there for a nice respectable bull but uh more so the meat meat side of things i was i was really looking forward to to getting some elk meat in the freezer mm-hmm. and I, if you have a bull tag are you allowed to shoot a cow or does it have to be a bull uh you uh, that's a good question i believe you can shoot a cow if you'd like if you if you last day and you just want to you know fill the freezer or whatnot and you don't want you don't want to end up shooting a young bull mm-hmm. um i i believe they would let you shoot a cow but I'm not positive on that yeah. one. You you were all in. You were going bull or nothing, I see. <laughs> I, I was bull or bust, that's <laughs> okay. for sure. All right. Sweet. All right, man. Well, that's kind of all I got for <laughs> my opening questions. And so I'm just going to kind of hand the reins over to you. And uh, you can just start from wherever you feel like it's ready to start. And uh, just tell your story. Okay. Sounds good. Um, so, yeah. No, I'll start from the beginning. I mean, you check in. And once, you, once you get there, you check in. They give you your map. I think I had about 30 minutes to spare in between uh, when you check in and the, and the meeting and orientation meeting. So I hopped in my truck and you can see parts of unit G from the, from the highway that runs through the refuge. So I, uh, I drove over there and glassed uh, glass a little bit, saw some cows, no bulls. Um, and just kind of studied the map, studied the, the corner of the, the unit that I wanted to go to um, and, and went ahead and picked the starting point and dropped a pin on Onyx. Um, and then, yeah, so I went to orientation, got, got with my group leader after, and we hopped the truck and took off and, um, you know, there was, we're riding around on this F-250, um, in the back on, on just like bench seats. And it's, I mean, that terrain's rough and rugged. Those roads aren't, you know, they're, they're somewhat maintained, but once you, you bail off onto a trail and it's, it's pretty rough. There were some steep points where we were going up where, um, our group leader had to, uh, stop click his four-wheel drive hubs in and then put it back and drive and, and climb these hills and it was it was a little spooky that's for sure uh but yeah no so we we're driving around the cow hunters put their tags or put their flags out and we're getting back to the to the corner of the unit that i wanted to be in um as we came around the corner i i saw an elk which was it ended up being a bull it was a pretty nice bull um and we're, we started we kept approaching i was like okay you know that's a that's a sign that hey i need to you know, I, I am, I'm, I'm right. I guess I need mm-hmm. to, uh, go ahead and put my, put my flag down here. And this is a good starting point for the morning, you know, with the wind and everything, there's a big, a big mountain, if you will. Uh, I'm doing the air quotes now mountain, uh, Oklahoma size mountain. Uh, I think it was about 2000, uh, 2000 feet in elevation is how high it was. Not, not, nothing terrible, nothing crazy, but easy to get up on and, and look over these three valleys. So, I tapped on the truck, set my flag out, and then I was ready to go. And as we were pulling down from the bottom of that, that mountain on this trail, it goes down to a valley, which which ended up being what I was looking over that morning. Up on the hillside was two bulls, and uh, two pretty good bulls. Two, two bulls I would have been extremely happy with. I think one of them ended up being the bull that I, that I took, um, but they were just standing up there, and as we drove by, they – you know, lifted their heads and looked at us. They were about, you know, 900 yards away, 900 to a thousand yards away. Uh, and I was, I just thought in my head, I was like, you know, that's what I'm after. Uh, so we continued on the unit, on the unit tour, everyone else put their flags out. 
we get back to base camp and, you know, our unit leader, Brett, I believe was his name, you know, told us, Hey guys, in order to get everyone out, um, in the morning, you know, let's try to leave here about 5 a.m. So I packed up, went back to Hobart and, um, kind of got my packs ready. And I mean, it was a sleepless night. That's for sure. I, I went to sleep, went to sleep with, you know, elk bugling in my mind. I mean, I know it wasn't the rut or anything like that, but, but just my mind was racing. So, um, had an early wake up call. I think three forty-five is the time I got up. It's about an hour drive from Hobart to, to the headquarters. So woke up at 3 AM, um, got dressed as quick as I could. Uh, and it was cold. It was a good morning. It was, I think in the low thirties, wind out of the North, it was, it, it was a cold morning. That's for sure. So I, I made sure to pack extra layers and stuff like that. Once I was finished with, you know, hiking up that mountain to get to my vantage point, I was in, you know, I, I did, definitely didn't want to be sweat. Um, so yeah, so we meet at 5am. He, we hop in the truck and we we're in the bed of a truck. So, you know, mm-hmm. North wind 30 degrees and mm-hmm. we're riding around and it's, I mean, it's cold. It's, it's extremely cold and it's cutting through me. I mean, it was, it's, you know, top five coldest I've ever been, to be honest with you. My hands were freezing by the time I got out, but we get to my flag and, you know, he drops the tailgate. I hop out, shake his hand, say, thank you. And he says, you know, good luck. Just if you get one, you know, give me a call and I'll, I'll, uh, gather up your helpers and I'll, I'll bring them out to you. And so he dropped us off. I think I had about 30 minutes before shooting light, um, uh, so it's just plenty of time. So I hiked up to the top of that, that mountain, um, found a good flat rock. It was almost like it was meant to be, it was perfect to be there. Uh, and just kind of slowly started watching the sun come up and I, I heated up the breakfast burrito before I'd, <laughs> I'd left the house and put it in a Yeti thermos. So it stayed warm. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, unwrapped it, put some sauce on it and started eating it and watching the sun come up. And like I said before, it was, it was one of the best burritos breakfast burritos I've never had just you know it's hard to beat that that country and when that sun starts peeking up I mean it's it's absolutely gorgeous out there I mean it's it's one of a kind views that's for sure so um so yeah so I'm sitting there and about I I would say you know right around seven o'clock I hear something come busting through the trees behind me and I'm up on a rock um I'm probably 10 to 15 feet on top of this rock from the from the ground. Um, and I looked down, I mean, I've got, a, I've got a coyote that, that wandering underneath me. So that, I got my heart rate up, got my elevation or my, yeah, my heart rate elevated for sure. And he, I mean, he walked right underneath me and, um, you know, I just, I watched him kind of mill around for a minute, let it keep getting, you know, plenty light where I was able to see, um, and started glassing. So I'm, I'm where my vantage point was. I had two big draws that ran in front of me and, um, they kind of were split by one ridge side that ran in the middle of them. And as it's getting lighter, I'm glassing and there's some coyotes down in the valley and they're, they're, you know, hooping, hollering, messing around. And I'm like, and as I can start to see more, I'm like, okay, you know, I need to be one ridge over. Um, mm-hmm. and I need, I'm pointing at another ridge about a thousand yards away. And I'm like, I need to be there. It's a big bowl. It's out of the wind. Um, it, it it's, it's surrounded. Like I said, it's a big bowl. It's surrounded by a big hillside. And one of the mountainsides is just covered in cedar trees. I was like, you know, I, I would assume a bull would be bedded there and work his way down into here to feed in the morning. So I packed up my stuff, uh, put it on my back and, you know, went into hike mode, um, hiked down that mountain and, 
I definitely wanted to get to that side before it got too light. Um, it was already shooting time at this point. And hiked across that ridge. As, like I said before, I, I rolled my ankle twice walking across this thing in, the, in a matter of 15 minutes. I mean, just I stepped on a rock out in that grassy grassy field that I didn't see, rolled it, probably 10 more ten more steps, rolled my other ankle. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, no, it got to that, that ridge side. Uh, and, and like I said, I've treated it kind of like a white to hunt. I just kept the wind in my favor. I worked to the, you know, to the dark side of this, this ridge, um, around into the bowl and just kind of took my time, you know, glassing, making sure I'm not running up on anything, um, keeping that shade on me, you know, just that way I'd be difficult to see. Um, and I'm working my way through these boulders and I get to one boulder and it's, it's the size of the truck. It's huge. And I just happened to peek out to go around one side of it. And I look and there's this row of trees that runs up the, the mountainside. And there was about a, I would say about a 60 to 75 yard, 75 yard gap there. And, uh, and there it was, I mean, there was, there's an elk standing there. So, I was like, oh, shoot, there's an elk. Here we go. So I, I dropped down, pull my binos up, and as I pull my binos up, uh, he lifts his head at the same time as my, my glass hits my eyeballs and scratches his back with his antlers. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when it got real for me. I mean, I, I just went I, – I, I don't want to say I went into hunt mode. I, I, I definitely went into panic mode because I was in hike, you know, hike mode at the time. I had everything strapped on me super tight, so I'm – I, had, I was already to my knees and I just started ripping stuff off, got my shooting sticks out, got my gun over uh, off my shoulder, uh, got set up. And at that point I was about 200, 260 to 270, I believe is what my range finder said. So I was well within range. I was shooting a 300 wind mag that day. So I knew I could, I could reach out and touch, touch something if needed. Um, he was well within range. So I, I get settled on him and, he, and he's kind of feeding up this drainage that goes, goes up this mountainside. It looked like he was going to work his way over and get some thick stuff and, and probably go back to bed for the day. Um, and he was just taking his time, had no idea I was there. Uh, just, I mean, absolutely amazing, amazing animal. He lifts his head again. And I throw my binos up to make sure that, you know, he's one I want. And, and there was no question about it. So I, I went ahead and got, got on him. Uh, and as I'm on him, there's a big boulder in front of me and it, he was just enough on the other side of it. I, I don't know. I mean, I think I could have cleared it, but I was really worried about hitting that boulder. I remember that. So I snuck back behind that bigger, big boulder that I'd peeked out from. Um, and just kind of, you know, weaved in and out of these boulders and, and got a little bit closer. That way I knew I could clear that rock that was in front of me. And, uh, when I got up there, I, I got a little bit too close. I was about 150 yards away from him. He didn't have any idea I was there, but um, from 150 yards, I mean, these, these animals look huge. I definitely thought I was about a hundred yards or, or less. I uh, felt like I was right on top of them. <laughs> so I, I got up to that tree line, basically uh, got set up and he's taking his time feeding. And he was right behind, there was one lone tree out there. And he was right behind it. It felt like, you know, it was probably only about five minutes, if that that he was feeding behind that tree. But I remember looking through my scope and it just being all my crosshairs being all over the place for how, <laughs> how bad I was shaking and my heart rate. I mean, just everything, all the emotions already overcome me. Um, so I, I backed out of my scope and I didn't look at him again through my scope until he cleared and he was broadside, you know, past that tree. And I'm, 
I'm saying this stuff out loud to myself, you know, I'm just saying, Hey, calm down. You're good. He has no idea you're here. Like he's going to give you a shot. It's inevitable. Like it's going to be okay. Like I'm just repeating this stuff to myself, just trying to calm myself down, you know, breathe, breathe, breathe. And about that time, I mean, he steps out and he's broadside. And so I take it one more deep breath and then I, uh, I, I get on my shooting sticks and I, I, I put it on them and I'm still a little bit shaky and I took one more deep breath and then clicked the gun off safety and, uh, you know, squeezed one off. And I, as I squeezed one off, I, I hit him right behind the shoulder, saw, saw the impact. Um, and he didn't, didn't react like a whitetail would or, or, or anything like that. It hit him. He took, you know, a couple of normal steps forward and then turned and looked at me and I was just in shock because I mean, I, after I, after I, I gutted him, I, you know, I double lunged him. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't going anywhere, but this just big massive animal just took two steps and just, you know, he basically just wore 300 wind mag to the, to the lungs and he's just sitting there staring at me. So it took me a second and I was like, well, did I shoot him again? And I just, I jacked another shell and, and ended up putting another one in him. And he wore that, mm. uh, didn't run off, but it hit him and he stood there. I mean, just wore it, stood there again, just still staring my direction, kind of looking around. And all of a sudden I see him start to, you know, get the, get the death wobbles and reared up on his back legs. I mean, almost like a horse does head back everything and then fell backwards and tumbled over. <laughs> and mm. I mean, I'll just, it's a moment that's, engraved in my mind i mean just something as big as that and it's a horse with antlers the best way i can describe it i mean he's a dang clydesdale <laughs> but he raised up and fell over backwards and i remember just throwing my gun to the ground and just like the shakes took took over and i was just you know praising the lord you know pointing to the sky saying thank you thank you thank you and, um I mean, at this point, I, it was probably 7.45. It was 45 minutes into this hunt, and I'd already, you know, <laughs> shot what what I was after. You know, I, he'd end up being a 6x6. Six six. I thought he was a 5x5 five five at the time. Knew he was a good bull. Um, so I, I climbed up to the top of that ridge, and I FaceTimed FaceTime one of my buddies, one of my hunting, hunting partners, Drew, and, um, you know, celebrated with him briefly. Um uh, they then called Taylor my buddy that was Lynn Hobart to, to come down and help me pack this thing out. He, he had him, he'd barely woken up. Um, and so he was getting up, he got dressed, headed my way. And then I called my dad and, you know, shared that moment with him. Um, and then, you know, sat there and watched the sun come up the, the rest of the time. I think it was a good 30 minutes before I walked down there and, and put my hands on him. I definitely just wanted to sit there and soak it all in. It was a, it was a sunrise, of all sunrises in my eyes, you know, I, I brought a, I, I'm a, I like to do photography on the side just for fun, just as much as I, time as I spend out in the, the wild. Um, so I, you know, I took some photos and, and stuff like that. And then I hiked down and as I got closer, he got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And as I picked him up, I was like, good grief, this thing is a monster. Um, and, and just kind of, I mean, to be honest with you, emotions like overwhelmed me. It was, it was, it was magical. It was, it was like how special like this hunt was, how special this animal was, just everything about it. I mean, it was, it was very overwhelming experience for, for me. Um, you know, I took a knee, said a quick prayer, um, and then, you know, celebrated some more, just kind of checked them out and, um, probably sat there with them for an hour. Uh, 
went ahead and gutted them and then just admired them for another, another hour. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was something special. That's for sure. But awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, sorry, keep going. If you got, more. yeah. So, I mean, just, I, I took some more photos with them. I, I texted my group leader said, Hey, you know, got a bull down ready to, uh, ready to be picked up in the next 30 minutes. I'll hike back your way. Um, you know, he swung, he, he, uh, met Taylor at the parking lot and brought him out to me and, um, dropped him off and we hiked back in there and, you know, we got to share a cool moment, you know, as friends and hunting buddies, um, you know, you're always excited, you know, whether you kill or one of your buddies kills. I mean, it's always a celebration at, at the end of the day. So got to share that moment with him, which was cool. And I mean, um, and we got to work. We started, we started packing and, uh, I mean, there is so much meat on this animal. I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. unbelievable. And they, they only require you to take the back straps and the quarters, um, everything else you can leave. But we, we picked this thing clean. I mean, it took us a good, a good, probably two and a half hours to, to get all the meat that we could handle and cape them out and get the head off and everything like that. But, um, for me, that was one of the, the, the coolest experiences you know you 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 take down an animal like this and then i get to carry them on my back and hike you know i wasn't too far off the the main trail i think i was maybe not even a half a mile or maybe a quarter mile if that uh, hike down hike up the ridge and you've got i mean some of these quarters on this elk his hind quarters probably weighed 75 pounds and the back straps are four feet long um you know it, it's it's a lot of weight on your back but um, at the end of the day, you know, it was cool to just to, to take in the full experience. You know, it was, it was as close to, I don't want to say it's not a real elk hunt cause it is, it definitely isn't in many ways, but it, you know, you get that little DIY type experience too, of getting to pack that thing on your back and pack it back to the road and, mm-hmm. and all that. So, um, yeah, just, I mean, overall experience 10 of 10, I mean, it was something that it's, it's a moment I'll never forget. And I mean, he's going on the wall and, um, just so I can, you know, tell this story, uh, time and time again, hopefully I'll be telling it when I'm 90. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was something special. That's for sure. Man, that's an awesome story. Absolutely awesome story. Uh, great job of, you know, putting us all there and talking about the sunrise and everything. And, uh, you know, I think if there's a, a lesson from all this is like, you you were talking about the size and, you know, all the meat and stuff. And I think, you know, some people need to recognize that, you know, this is not a, this is not a gimme hunt. You know, you have to work for it. And, and once you're successful, you have to really work then, you know, getting all that stuff out. Um, and, uh, you know, like you said, maybe, you know, you hadn't been elk hunting or something, but I'm sure you'd done some preparation and, uh, you know, learned how to quarter, you know, how to learn how to butcher, uh, and you you don't want to be out there in the field, get this elk down, and all of a sudden be like, well, what do I do now? You know, like, there's a lot of prep work that needs to go into this, and it sounds like you were very prepared, so yeah. uh, I'm glad you were. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's 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 a it's a handful. If I hadn't had a helper, um, which most people bring their buddies and they come up and help them, it was just me and Taylor out there, one of my buddies, and we, we, we did the best we could with it. We got everything off that we could and, and hiked it back, and it was, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of an overwhelming experience, you know, just, just gutting this thing. I mean, his stomach is the size of a, a, a fully inflated medicine ball is the best way I could put it. It probably weighs a hundred and something pounds by itself. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's definitely overwhelming when you get up on it and it's, 
you see how, how big this animal is, um, you definitely want to be prepared. That's for sure. You don't want to be out there and shoot something like this and let most of the meat go to waste. I mean, yeah, you definitely, definitely need to do your, your prep work. Yeah. And I speak from experience in that because, uh, you know, I went to school in Idaho and so I've done quite a bit of elk hunting still have yet to be successful. But when I was in college, you know, I had a buddy that me and him would go elk hunting on the weekends and stuff, but he was older than I was. And so he graduated before me. Um, and so my last two years I would go by myself, you know, I'd leave class on Thursday or Friday, whatever, drive out to the mountains, elk hunt all weekend. Um, and people always ask me like, what are you going to do if you get one? I was like, well, you know, I'm going to pack it out. And then, uh, after I graduated, me and some buddies went back up to Idaho and went hunting. And one of my buddies actually shot a nice big bull, nice six by six. And yeah, seeing them up close for the first time, it is a eye opening experience. And and I I told my buddies while we were out there, I was like, I don't know what I would have done if I would have gotten one of these down by myself when I was in school. Uh, so yeah, I'm glad I, everybody needs to experience that. That's one thing. Like if you if you're an outdoorsman or a woman, uh, you need to experience packing out of elk. Like uh, you know whether you know hopefully you have some buddies. It's not just you, um, but yeah, I think everybody should do that at least once in their life. Yeah, absolutely. And this thing, I mean, it it I would say he's probably close to 800 pounds, and so I mean, he doesn't really compare to those Colorado sized elk or Idaho even at that. Um, I think those are what closer to the fifteen hundred pound range, fully grown, fully mature. I I don't know if they get quite that big, but they're yeah, they're they're up yeah. there. Yeah, this thing was it was huge. It was like I said, it was definitely overwhelming. Uh, we got it back mm-hmm. to the check station, which um so they go ahead and check the teeth of it and um estimate the age. Um and they'd estimate this bull at nine and a half years old. So they said, you know, Wow. At that point this year, um, it was the oldest bull that had been checked in. And to her knowledge, it was one of the older bulls that had been checked in since she had been, you know, checking the teeth of these things. So mm-hmm. fully mature, that's, awesome. that's all you can ask for. And for him to be as big as he was, I mean, that was just a another blessing in itself. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, what about tips? You know, let's say, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are listening to this, hoping to draw this tag someday. Um, what advice do you have for somebody who's hoping to draw this tag and do this hunt? Um, I, I would say if you were to get drawn, just, I mean, do your homework. You can, you can get on Onyx, you can get on the computer and you can go straight to the refuge. Um, and they have the unit breakdown, uh, on the map and just, just start studying the map. Maybe watch some, watch some elk hunting. I, I mean, I know I've been watching elk hunting forever, just dreaming of dreaming of going, um, you know, this isn't your traditional elk hunt, but it's, it's, it's as close as it can get in your, in your home state. Um, I would just say, you know, be as prepared as possible. If you don't know how to quarter an animal or if you don't have the proper equipment, you know, borrow some, ask it. It's not going to hurt to ask. Um, you definitely want to just make sure all your, everything is stacked in your favor when you do get that moment. Uh, and you, you are able to harvest one of these things. I mean, you, you don't want to get out there and be underprepared. And um, yeah, that, that's probably the best advice I can give someone. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Well, I'm sure I could think of a thousand more questions, but we're kind of coming up on time here. Um, so yeah, Mark, man, I can't thank you enough. Uh, absolutely awesome story. And, uh, I really appreciate you coming on to, to tell us. Yeah. I appreciate you having me on, John. It was, it was fun. I'm glad I got to share this for hopefully a ton of people to hear. And, um, yeah, hopefully this was very helpful for someone. I think it is. I think it was very helpful and, uh, you know, there's, 
I wouldn't say there's not a lot of information out there, but there's not too much information. Just there's not that many elk hunting opportunities in Oklahoma. So to have somebody who's, you know, done it, gone through the whole experience and, and talk about it, that's really valuable. So, um, so yeah, I think that's going to do it for us, Mark. Uh, any closing thoughts? Uh, no, I think that's it. I think I got, got everything out that I needed to say. So no, I appreciate it. This was fun. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, I think that's going to do it for us. So uh, until next time, we'll talk to you later, Mark. All right, man. I appreciate it. I don't know about you guys, but I was definitely picturing myself out there eating a breakfast burrito, watching the sunrise with some elk in the background. Man, like I said at the beginning, just an awesome opportunity and an awesome story. Congratulations, Mark. I don't know if I said that during the uh, the podcast. Congratulations to you, and thank all you guys for listening to this episode. I uh, really appreciate it. Thank you for a year of the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast. I can't thank you guys enough. I do want to shout out my consulting business one last time. If you are interested in having me out to your property to help you with some land management, uh, you know, setting up some stands, setting up your property, some food plot advice, whatever it might be, uh, hit me up at okoutdoorswithanspodcast at gmail.com, okoutdoorspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for this podcast. I really enjoy it. I do this all for you. So I hope you guys enjoy listening to it. And until next week, I will see you guys right back here on the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast.